0: Well, who has your Bible today? I saw two hands. Okay, good. (laughs) Turn in your Bible today to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Hebrews 9. I want everyone to make a good confession today. The Bible says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. That means that the words we say, he's watching over those words to make them good in my life. So if you're not saying something, he's not having anything that he can be high priest over. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in control of my life. I want someone else to, to, to have the say in my life. So I want you to say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I boldly proclaim that I'll be taught the word of God today, that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and to them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your people. Lord, that you would crown them with loving kindness, tender mercies, that you crown them with your goodness today. And Lord, you have such great things planned In every area of our life, we bless you. We thank you, Lord, for your holy word today. Lord, thank you. that, Lord, today as we become doers of the word, we become recipients of all your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice he says here, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Last week, we talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. How many got excited about that? There's a marriage supper. There's there's coming, I mean it's more than cookies and and cocoa. I tell you, it's gonna be it's gonna be the the fellowship of the saints coming together. Yeah. Hallelujah! And it's gonna be it's such an awesome time. <clears throat> the Bible says that we're gonna be called up together with the Lord to meet Him in the air. And um, you know I, I made this statement, but I just want to make it again because. There is a balance in Scripture, and and how do you get balance? You get balance with truth. You don't get balance with unbelief and a little bit of tradition, a little bit. You get balance by the Word, and you know where you find Bible answers in the Bible. I know that's real deep, but you find Bible answers and Bible questions in the Bible, and so the Bible. You know, some people say, well, you know, you're just, you're an escapist. Yeah, I'm going on the first load. But we have to understand that the Bible tells us that we shall occupy till, we come, till he comes back. That we're supposed to be busy, that we're not supposed to just, you know, go hide away somewhere. But we're supposed to be working and doing. But we have to have the realization, though, that heaven is my real home, that I'm a pilgrim just passing through. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews that that those people, that they confessed that they were pilgrims on the earth. For if they had been mindful of the country that they came out of, they would have had opportunity to return. That's why the devil wants you to think about your past. He wants to put sin in front of you. He wants to, well, you remember what you did. Why? Because he wants to put condemnation there and, and the guilt. And if you don't know what the word says, then that guilt will, will just rob you. It will keep you in a place of guilt, and then you'll say, "Well, I I can't overcome it, so I might as well just go do it again." That's wh- and that's where people live. And so, but God's called us to overcome and be overcomers. But when the trumpet sounds, I'm going out on the first load. How about you? <laughs> and it, the Bible says that we would forever be with the Lord, and so we'll be there for the Bible says seven years, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then we return with him to the earth. And then the battle of Armageddon. But we're going to be with him. But also there's a time the Bible says that we must give an account. The Bible talks about the the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, where we have to give an account. Now, this is not a, a judgment to see if you're born again. You know, people think, well... They, they think of the old-fashioned scales, and you have the, the middle, and one's outweighing the other. And people think, well, you know, Peter's going to be there and see if... There's nothing the Bible says Peter's going to be at the gate. Let me just kick that cow over real quick first. <laughs> but, you know, people think, well, you know, Peter's going to be there in St. Peter, and then this one, that. But it's, it's not... The, the judgment seat of Christ is not to see if you're born again. That's already been decided by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, and you've received him. But it is a judgment of works. <clears throat> say this, works don't save me. Don't save but I will be judged for my works. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't really care if I, about works and, and if I can just get in. Well, you'll care when you don't have any. <laughs> Amen. And so the Bible says, though, that we should have good works. And so what does that mean? That means that I don't get salvation by works, but when I have salvation, it's going to produce good works. Why? Because it's just a natural outflow of being in fellowship with God that, that my faith is going to produce good works. I want to bless people. I want to be a blessing. The Bible says to be mindful to be a blessing to those that are, especially those of the household of faith. You know, the Bible talks in John three thirty four. By this, the Bible says if, that the love that's within us, by this shall you know, they know that you are my disciples. Not just the way we love the world. It's talking about the way we love brothers and sisters in Christ. Then the world sees that and they want to be a part of the family. Hallelujah. And so the judgment seat of Christ is about rewards. So there is an appointment that everyone has in life. How many know that a lot of people can shrug off appointments, especially they make it so easy nowadays. You get a text message three months, or like I get a dentist appointment a month before now. I mean, that's good. It keeps you, you know, knowing ahead of time. But it's so easy to just, if this does not work, please reschedule. Okay, reschedule. You know, people. it's so easy for people to to not, you know, they push it off and, Different things like that. Well, there's coming an appointment for every man. And you won't be able to change this one. <laughs> you won't be able to, to say, you know, well, uh, I'm too busy. In fact, this appointment, you're going to be by yourself. Yeah. Your mom won't be there. Your dad won't be there. Your cousin, Aunt Minnie. Why? The Bible says that we all stand before the Lord by ourselves to give an account. Hallelujah. And so we all have to keep this appointment. Do you know that the unrighteous are going to give an account as well? <clears throat> and so I want to speak this morning just for a few minutes about giving an account giving an account of my life to the Lord, that every man must give an account. The Bible says that every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That's why, especially the Christmas season, we say this, that wise people bow now. The, The wise people accept him now. But you know that every person in history, whether you're talking about Hitler or Mussolini or any person that that worked great wickedness, they're all including the devil himself, will stand before the Lord one day to give to to bow their knee and say that Jesus is Lord <laughs> and so we do so now, Amen. but the Bible says that there's another judgment that that we as believers won't be a part of. It's called the great white throne. And you don't want to be a part of that one. What is the great white throne judgment? That's all those who have died, who have already um, died in spiritual death. Those that are unsaved, that are already in a holding place that we call hell or Hades. The Bible says, after the millennial reign of Christ, then for those those thousand years, they're still in that place. It's a holding place. But after the th- about heres reign of Jesus and the Bible turns, don't ask me about that I don't know why God will allow him to come out, but it just proves that the wickedness of people though, and that the how the devil can actually Deceive people after Jesus has reigned for a thousand years. And some scholars say that the Bible says he shall be loose for a season. That is um, some of the other same language in the Bible that uses that word for a season. Roughly three, three and a half years. So the enemy is going to be um, released. But then the Bible says that he is going to be destroyed. He's going to be not, not as annihilated. <clears throat> Not, no one is ever annihilated. I mean, that's a good doctrine for some people. But that means that you're just obliterated and there's nothing more to you. But no, every spirit lives forever, whether in heaven or hell. But at that time, the Bible says that the, the, the dead are going to be um, standing before the Lord. What does that mean? That means the, the unrighteous dead. And the Bible says they're going to have to give an account and the Bible talks about looking for their names in the Lamb's book of life. But, you know, the Bible, you know, we, we, we judge everything by the word. And, you know, the Bible doesn't actually say, and I've heard ministers say this, and, and I don't have a, a problem with it. But, you know, really the Bible doesn't say anything about the Lord writing your name in the Lamb's book of life. The, the Bible actually talks about your name being blotted out. So why are they looking for it? Because it was there, but let's see if it's still in there. And it says that they were people were judged out of the book of life. So actually, from the foundation of the world, your name is written in that book. But if you don't receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, that name is blotted out. So what what did Moses say? He said, don't blot my name out. Or you know, at one time he he now, I don't know if I could have been Moses. Because he interceded for those people and he says, Lord, if if you know, take my name out. I, I don't think I would have prayed that prayer. I say, if they're be rebellious, let it be on their own head, you know. But uh, that's just the way he was, and that's that's the heart of compassion. That's why God used him the way he did. <laughs> You know what God said? Hey, I'm going to destroy the whole bunch. He said, "Lord, don't do it. If you if you do," and then the Lord said, "Okay." <laughs> and so we see that the unrighteous will stand before Him, and it says that they are judged out of the Book of Life; their name blotted out. And so. They're judged according to their works. The number one thing they are judged on is not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, but the believer also has an appointment. Say, I have an appointment. And I must keep this appointment. But this is not something that, that you should dread. It's not like, oh man, I got jury duty. Oh, man, you know, a lot of people, they come to church and they, it's like they're on jury duty. And if I can just make it through the next 60 minutes and know that I'm still okay. And the Lord's not going to strike me down. You know, a lot of people think like that. I wouldn't want to go to church like that either. I'd rather stay at home. But look what Romans chapter 14 says. Hallelujah. I want this to be encouraging to you today because the, the marriage supper of the Lamb Think of it this way. You're in. I know, I know Brother Jesse DePlantis, he said he had, a, a, in his experience of going to heaven for like five, five hours, five and a half hours. He saw different ones that went into heaven. And one guy, in, in fact, said this. I made it. I made it. I mean, it was like a shock to him. It was like he really made it. And so I'm sure there's going to be people like that. But, you know, maybe they just lived a a haphazard life. But here's the thing. When you're going to the marriage supper of Lamb, you're in. You don't have to think, well, maybe I shouldn't be here. If you're there, the Lord has called you there. It's because you have made the preparation. You know, it's like I talked last week about the garments and God makes the garments. You know, you're the one that determines the garment that's made. By your works, oh, and I tell you what you know. I, I feel like right now, especially in my my, my um, place I am in life, I want to do everything I can. I mean, I want all the crowns. I want, and I want everybody in this church to have every crown, that, yeah. Yeah. to have their garments woven yes. with that that glorifies Him. Yeah. Romans fourteen talks about this let's read in verse 10 but why do you judge your brother or why do you set it naught your brother for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ in fact let me go back to um, verse 7 for none of us live to himself and no man dies to himself For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother, or why you said it not your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge us rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I want to keep reading because this is so good. He says, I know and am persuaded that by the Lord Jesus, there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteems anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if your brother be grieved with your meat, now walk you not charitably or in love. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith we may edify one another. For meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eats with offense. He says, It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine or anything whereby your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. And he that doubts is damned if he eat because he eats not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So we don't want to do anything that would harm our brother and sister. Even if we feel like we have liberty. If we have liberty in a certain area. If your brother, if their faith is not in that place. You know, it's just like, I mean, just in a real practical way. I mean, we, there's been people that they've been born again But they were an alcoholic. And, you know, God set them free. But then they went out. Brother so-and-so was there just drinking socially. And they went back and started drinking again. Well, in that area, don't do something that's going to cause your brother to stumble. And some people, are, you know, a lot of times they're, they're talking a lot about, well, you only do certain things in moderation. There's some things you don't do in anything yeah. at all, moderation or not. Some things just have to be cut off. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, it's just like this. We, I say this sometimes. Desires a lot like a stray cat. Who's ever had stray cats come up? Every time I go to Kevin's, he has a cat out there, and he says it's not ours, but it just comes around. <laughs> but it seems like a home cat, and unless you go to pet it, right? <laughs> you can't, you can't get that close. <clears throat> but how many know? I mean, I know people that I know. I knew this one lady; she had like twelve or fifteen cats. She said she just kept them fed. It wasn't, she didn't really claim them, but she just kept them fed so it would keep the mice away. I don't know if I'd rather have the mice or 15 cats. (laughs) And so, but whatever you feed in life, what's going to happen? What happens if you feed a a stray cat? What's going to happen? It stays. It's going to come back tomorrow. Now, Kitty, you can't stay, but here, I got some more of this gourmet cat food. You know, it comes in a, a, a container that shines, you know, and it's like made of gold on the bottom. Well, that cat's going to be your cat. And so there's things in life, if we don't want them, what do we have to do? We have to starve them. We have to cut them off. The Bible says mortify the flesh. And so we don't want to be a stumbling block. But the Bible says here we all have to give an account. So I just want to share for a few moments here about four areas we have to give an account in our life. Why? Because we all want to hear this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So number one, four areas we must give an account is our time. Our time. How many know we all have the same amount of time? <laughs> Man, I'm just, I don't have any time for this. Or, But our time... We have to give an account of, and our time should be devoted to some extent to the things of God. Right. In the day that we live, there's two phrases that are very popular. I'm so busy, and what's the other one? Well, you're busy and you're tired. tired. So busy, and we're just so tired. You know, there's going to be no reward in heaven for for. For being so busy and being so tired. And here's the thing. A lot of times we have to ask ourselves, are we even, are we even doing what we're supposed to do, be doing? Because a lot of times, you know, it's the same way with patience. Actually, in life, we only have a certain amount of spiritual, mental, physical strength every day. And if we use it up on something, then it's gone. I mean, you, maybe you can believe God for some more, but you're just, you're just zonkered. You're just out. People you know, people spend all their time on something. maybe it's a, maybe it's a video game or something, and then that video game has taken all their patience, and then they don't have any for their friends, family. <clears throat> and so a lot of times it should be something that we just take inventory. And it's just something on a personal level. We take inventory and say, am I even, should I even be doing this? I like what um, Sister Gloria Copeland said. She said, whenever I think about a hobby, the first thing I ask is, do I have time for this? How much time is it going to take into me reading the Bible? And, of course, she was a minister. And uh, one of the things she said that uh, helped her a lot in life was a prophecy that Brother Hagen gave like in 1982, back in the last century. And he said that part of that prophecy was this, <clears throat> about giving a tithe of your time every day. <clears throat> and things would be well. So what, what does that mean? That means 2.4 hours a day. If you would do that, things will be well, things will be right. And she said that after she did that, things really changed. And so, especially as a new believer, they were just, you know, in the, in the word all the time. And she said, when I look at something, should I even be doing this? Amen. And so, our time, we're going to give an account. Number two, our talents. Everyone say talents. talents. Do you know that everyone has talents? Yep. Maybe it's, it's not what your neighbor has, but everyone has talents. Over in um, Matthew chapter 25, verse 13, he says, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. You know, God doesn't give someone else's ability to you. He knows the ability that you have. And so that's, that's, that's what makes him faithful. Yeah. And he says, straightway, he took his journey. How many know that the Lord, he gave us gifts. The Bible said he gave gifts unto men. And the Lord has left. On a journey. But how many know he's coming back? (laughs) And so he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made another five. The same thing with the, the one that received two. He gained another two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought another five, saying, Lord... You delivered me five talents. Behold, I've gained five more. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you that you are a hard man. Lord, you're hard. You're hardened. People say that about their boss. Reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, here's what he basically Lo, here it is right here. His Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew where I, that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. What's he saying? Now, I know it's different nowadays, but I remember growing up when I had a bank account, you actually did gain some dollars. You know, over the course of four months or six months, you get three or four dollars in there. Now it's about 14 cents. He says, take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which had ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he that hath shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast this unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so notice here, there's each person has talents. And so the thing, though, you sh- don't be discouraged and think, I don't have the talents of this one or the talents of this one. You have something that God has given you. And so you have to just be faithful to to let that be multiplied. Yes. Don't, con- don't compare yourself to someone else. If I compared myself to some people, I would just stay at home all day. I wouldn't get out of the bed. I just put a cool cloth on my head. So, But God's given me something that can benefit another person. And here's the thing, though. As I'm faithful with it, what's going to happen? It's going to increase, and it's going to grow, and it's going to develop. So my talents, I have to give an account for. He's looking. The Lord is actually looking for fruit in my life. And I don't want him to say, okay, three years we've done this. Now we're going to cut the tree down. There's been no fruit. I want fruit in my life. Then number three, the tongue. I have to give an account for the words that I speak. Notice how quiet it (laughs) gets. Say this, my my words are important. And I must give an account for every word. Notice, um, uh, for time's sake, I won't go through all of it. He's talking in um, verse 31 about not speaking a word against the Holy Ghost and, and blasphemy. But look, skip down to verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account there for in the day of judgment. So what is one of the things we have to give an account? Our words. What did we say about other people? What did we say? You know, the Bible says that there was a book of remembrance written in the book of Malachi. And people, one of the things they said was, it's vain to serve God. I don't want that kind of book written about me. You know, I don't want, I don't want the Lord to look at me on the judgment day and say to someone else, "Well done, good and faithful servant." I don't want Him to look at me and say, "Well, well, uh, 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 uh." So we want to hear, well done. So we're going to have to give an account. Notice what he says. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Do you know that that's not just a principle for the judgment, that that's something for every day? That's something that in your faith life, the things that that determines whether you're going to win or not, you're going to be justified. You're going to come ahead. You're going to grow in the things of God by your words. And by your words, you're going to be condemned. You're going to condemn yourself over your words. So every word, every idle word, you know what idle means? Non-productive. I mean, I I just, I don't know, the more I grow in the things of God, I just kind of watch over just useless phrases. I'm not talking about like horse of peace and things like that. I'm talking about just... Things that just don't amount to a hill of beans. Somebody said, Oh, there was one right there, but no. (laughs) Just anything that doesn't produce in my life, you cut it out. And some people just need to pray for crop failure on some things. So we give an account of every word. And then, number four, our treasure. Our treasure. We, we saw that right here in this passage when talking about talents. Your talents could be your treasure. I mean, in fact, it was money. It was the money that was given to them to multiply it. And so people will give an account of their treasure and of their money. And, you know, it's not a – it's it's funny to when people sometimes say, well, you know that – Money's not really important to God. You ever heard people say that? Have they ever read the Bible, though? Why? Because the Bible talks a tremendous amount about stewardship. And you and I are just stewards of that that we have. We can be a good steward or we can be a bad steward. We can be faithful or we can be unfaithful. You know what the Bible says about an unfaithful person it's like a broken tooth. Who's ever had a, you ever bit down on something and broke a tooth? What, why? That 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 tooth is not being faithful. I remember one time I had some Haagen-Dazs ice cream. It was some mint chocolate chip, I remember, because I used to sell it. And um, so you have this vanilla ice cream with these little tiny pieces. And so, you know, when something's damaged, of course, I was quality control. So I, I ate it. So I had some of this mint chocolate chip Haagen-Dazs. And I just took a couple bites. And then I thought, I'll take one more bite. And maybe it was the Lord checking me. And I felt, I was like, what the world? I just chipped off a, a I mean, a sizable part of a lower tooth. That unfaithful tooth. Well, see, the Bible says that's the way it is trying to put confidence in an unfaithful person. It's like trying to chew on a broken tooth. And so the, the reason why is because that person is unfaithful in their words. You know, you have to always watch when someone says, you know, they told me not to tell you. But, you know, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> you know, just you, you know, we're we're pals. And But the only thing is that person has... Someone else that they told that to that is not going to tell, and then to another person they're not going to tell, and then, then all of a sudden everyone else knows but they didn't tell anybody but just that person. <laughs> Amen and so we have to be faithful even in our words, and you know, you know one thing in, in life, I was just I was just telling them. Um, Pastor LaShawn about this a couple of days ago. There's times where I'm in a situation where I'll be somewhere and the conversation will be, you know, people will be talking and I just realize, you know what? I don't need to be hearing this right now. Not because it's bad, because it's none of my business. None of my business. Some things are just not your business. And so... It's better if you just don't hear it. And so it just takes the wisdom of God to realize, you know, that's kind of private information I'm a, you know, if they won't include me on that or tell me about something, then that's fine. But some things are just I don't need to know about. Amen. And so that's being faithful. And you know if the Lord does confide you, you know, if someone confides in you, if, if you're not faithful, he won't give you things like that. It's the same way with revelation. It's the same way with different things. Uh, th- that's why we can't say anything about the building, right? Not because we're running a, a side operation or anything. We don't have any kind of, um, you know, money being laundered on the side or, you know, trucks backing up to the back door or anything like that. We just, I mean, we would love, just like my wife said, to take you there today. But it will happen shortly. And so we are going to give an account for the treasure. Hallelujah. And if you don't think it's important, what do people fight over when someone dies? Money. Has anyone ever seen Family Feuds? It's not just the TV show. It happens in real life. And so... What did we do with the money that came across our hands? Did we use it to help people? Did we do it to do evil? Amen. And we don't look, we don't look to any person as a church. I mean, we'll, we'll do just like my pastor says. You know, if people, if people even think that, we'll say, keep your money. Because you're going to need it. Because things have to be done with the right motive. But money only amplifies what's in our heart. Have you ever noticed that? <clears throat> money only amplifies what's in your heart. Now, God wants to bless us, and the more you have, the more you can do, but money only amplifies. So if people are foolish, what's that going to do? They have more money to be more foolish. If, if, if it's perverted or if it's um, illegal or whatever. If it's drugs or whatever, that just means they're going to have a bigger stash. Amen? If your heart's in the things of God, you're going to have more to do that. You're going to have more to give. Amen. I think I'm standing on some toes or something this morning. I think I'm going to stand there for a little bit. So I want you to look at this last verse here. He says, we read it just a few moments ago. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So what does that mean? If I lay it up in, in heaven, it's going to be there when I get there. It's going to be there when I get on the other side. And so we do that in many different ways. Really and truly, there's only one thing we can take with us as other people, that people are born again. But also the, the, the things that we give into the kingdom of God. Those things are laid up and they're laid up on the other side. You know, the Bible talks about the vials which are the prayers of the saints in the book of Revelation. But well, they're on the other side too. You know, everything, let me just leave you with this. Everything that you do for the kingdom of God, no matter what it is, it's never lost. Every prayer, every act of kindness, every gift. God, God keeps good books. Well, you know, they didn't see what I did. God sees. God sees what you did. And, you know, that's why the Bible says that, that some people, they, they get their reward now. Whether it's praying or whether it's giving, they get their reward now. Why? Because they got the applause of men. But even if, if, if people, even if someone else tried to take credit for what you did, God still knows. And the Bible says that, that those things cannot be hid. It will be revealed. So if they don't get, even if they don't get revealed now, don't worry. God's setting you up for something good. It'll be revealed on the other side. Hallelujah. So your time, your talents, your tongue, and your treasure. We have to live ready for the Lord, ready to meet the Lord. We're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm looking forward to that. But we also have to give an account. But this should excite us. Why? Because we're going to be doing things every day to make sure that we're ready. We're going to be faithful. And the Bible says that we shall not lose our reward. Hallelujah. Who's looking forward to to some reward? Amen. Who's looking forward to? to the, the marriage supper and being for seven years. I mean, that's a big buffet. But we don't even know all that God has planned for us. For all those that love Him. All the all the things are prepared. The Bible says in the in the ages to come, He's going to show the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness towards us. There was a lady who, she was a real uh, holy person, meaning that, you know, she... She was really separated to the Lord, which we all are, are called holy. And we should uh, strive to be holy in the things of God and to live. That just means that you're Christ-like. That's what holiness means, Christ-likeness. And um, this lady, though, she, uh, her neighbor saw her one day and um, said, Where are you going? She says, I'm going to the show. And she meant, like, to the movie theater. That, that's what she thought because she said, You know, hey, you're you're a Christian and you don't go to those things because especially back then, that Pentecostal holiness they didn't go to things like that. And, and um, she said she was going to the show, but what she was talking about was this: what Ephesians two says that in the two 7, that in the ages to come he might show. She said she was going to the show. He's going to show all the the greatness and his loving kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So we're going to the show. We're going to the grand show. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on, just give the Lord a shout. Thank you, Lord.